Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is Chris, DFA Podcast again, always with JD. What's up, guys? And uh, it's been a while. I it's know it has been a long time. Been a We've while. had some personal stuff going on. People get sick, people not get sick. You know, rain outs, stuff like that. You know, you know, it's sometimes a lot of rain. Yeah, sometimes it wins, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains. You know, it is what it is. Yes. Um, but we're back. Uh, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season, a little bit more, probably a third of the way through the season now. Yeah, about a third. And um, a third. we figured it'd be good to kind of recap what we thought and where we are, where everything's sitting. And just kind of go from there. And then there was an interesting article that I wanted to talk about for the future of baseball and how I feel it's going to change things. So. Yeah, this is a good time to pause and just sort of reflect on what we are predictions. Um, just review, you know, a third of the season review. You yeah, know? and we'll just go through and see what we and see what we think is going to happen based on what we saw so far, and go from there. So because there's a lot of stuff that I can start seeing teams are starting to get a little hot, especially hitting hitting a little bit more. So we'll see if you know maybe some of the things we said that haven't come true because they've been kind of scuffling who are now actually hitting the crap out of the ball might actually end up being true because it's a 162 game season. That's how baseball works. So yes. All right. Well, let's look at the standings real quick, not schedule standings. And um, okay. And in the AL East, your prediction, uh, well, my predictions were completely off. Uh, we both had the blue Jays as the top team in the league and they are not the top team in the AL East. The Yankees are, and I don't understand how. Yeah, because they have two guys that are hitting, you know, below the Mendoza line. Yeah, I, I feel like they're getting great pitching performances. Like they've got like like Severino at Tyon or Tylon, whatever. Jameson Tyon. Tyon, and they're just getting these amazing pitching performances from, and and a lot of their pitchers are just performing at the the absolute best case scenario. And I mean, is that going to continue over the course of the year? I don't know. I mean, they're obviously a deep team. I feel like their pitchers are going to take a step back, and their offense is probably going to start to take off a little bit more. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't expect them to be this team. I, I certainly expected them to be competitive, but I didn't. I didn't anticipate a runaway division winner. Like, well, I mean, it, it's there are seven and a half games up, right? And so the thing that kills me is they're also in the toughest division in baseball. Basically, um, I would say that's a tougher division than the NL West. Wow. Yeah. I Pers mean, personally, in my in my opinion, especially with the Red Sox playing the way they're playing right now, right? Um, but the Jays look. Good. The the Rays are doing what they always do, which is win games over five hundred. And the Red Sox are starting to come on. But that's another thing is the Red Sox weren't really playing too much, very very well for the last two months until the last two weeks. So that may change things with the Yankees because the Yankees have been scuffling a little bit, but they are nine and one in the last ten games. So I don't even. Yeah, know. yeah. I feel like the the Blue Jays were a team that I expect that I predicted to actually make the World Series, and it was it was them and the Mets, and I. Did I have the try? I believe I actually had Toronto winning um, in the World Series. So, uh, so far they look good. I know they're outperforming their Pythagorean a little bit. The Pythagorean win loss, which is which takes runs scored and runs allowed, and, they, and it spits out, you yeah, know, all it, the dumb sabermetrics. Yes. Uh, a great, great sabermetrics. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the Blue Jays, uh, the Blue Jays were a team to pick. I mean, they're they're just a team. They're a young team, core team that they that I really like. Um, obviously, they sent down Kevin Biggio. Kevin uh, Biggio. Kevin yeah. Biggio. Yeah, they sent him down, and I don't know if they've called him back up yet or how he's doing. Um, in I think he he came up last week, or did they just send him down? Because I, I don't know when they sent him down. Because I'm pretty sure I saw him on a highlight a couple days ago, but oh. that may have been last week. Okay, they, maybe they called him back up again. I think they so. sent him down. I want to say it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, he may have come back up already because I think they may have had an injury where they had to pull him right. back up. So right, and I know that Ryu's been out, um, or Ryu's probably going to miss a significant part of the season, uh, maybe even the whole season. Uh, but they've been getting, um, you know, some good pitching performances. There was that uh, that guy uh, Manoa has been. Yeah, Manoa's really well. been. He's a Cy Young 
candidate right now. He's Man. been absolutely Alex Mano has been absolutely dominating. The thing that's killing him is Barrios has been hit or miss. He either gives up no runs and has eight K's or he gives up eight runs and has no case. It's really weird. And so it's just a coin flip for, for them and they can't have the inconsistencies to, to try to beat the Yankees lineup when they're playing as hot as they are. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. Rays are the Rays and the Red Sox are eight and two in the last 10. So they're starting to surge a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I think they're starting to, when it gets a little hotter, especially up in the Boston area and New York area and stuff like that, the ball starts fly a little bit better in Fenway. So they're starting to hit the ball way more, yeah. um, way more. I'm surprised they overtake the the Rays soon because the Rays are kind of scuffling with injuries. Right. I was more I'm, I'm more a bullish on the Red Sox hitting than I am their pitching. Their pitching staff is a little bit, you know, Chris Sale. I, I've heard that when he comes back, they're going to put him in the bullpen, and I just think that his value is as a, a starter, a guy who can pitch six plus innings. Yeah, I mean, but he's been, you know, when he comes back, that's the thing, and you know, we don't know when he's going to come back, and nobody does. I mean, they keep saying he's going to come back and gets hurt every time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and breaking him through in the bullpen, I think, could be a good idea. So break him through, but it's certainly not as a long-term answer. No, 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 definitely not. So, I yeah. mean, it is what it is. Um, I don't really think we need to discuss too much on the AL East because we are kind of, it's easy to see what it is. It, the, the only other, just two other things that I'll say is one of them about the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, they continue to de- develop guys at an unprecedented pace. I mean, I don't know of any other organization, maybe the Dodgers, uh, the Cardinals do a good job, the Guardians with their pitching, but the Rays, it, it's amazing. They just call guys up from AAA and they're immediately stuck, the especially are, their pitchers. Cardinals are equal to that. I wouldn't say yeah. that the Dodgers are. The Dodgers just buy the best prospects from the minors and then they bring them up and they end up obviously being the best prospects to the best players. So, yeah. Um, but the Car- Cardinals and the Rays bring up no name people that you've never heard before. And they're like Cy Young and MVP candidates. You're like, what the hell? Who is this guy? What, what in the world? Who's I mean, McClanahan, you kind of saw him last year when he was in the in the playoffs. And I'm like, dude, this kid, those smoke like what is going on and he's like one of the best lefty pitchers in the game right now and you're like who the hell where the hell did this guy come from and then tyler glass now has disappeared where is he at when he comes back you know they're gonna be good eventually they're just really hurt right now mm-hmm. so they're not scoring runs either with wanda franco out so. yeah and also lastly i think the the team you know the orioles are better now than they were two years ago i can see that on paper they can see that they're calling guys up from triple a they've got that young pitcher uh uh, guy in AAA, Grayson Rodriguez, I believe is his name. Um, of course, they called up their catcher, number one prospect. So they've got some guys who are coming up, and they've got some some pitchers who are kind of who are overperforming. So they could lose ninety again this year. I don't think they're going to lose a hundred. Um, I mean, they're not even close to the worst team in the AL, right? More or less the worst team in the league, like they have been the last seven years or whatever it is. So um, they're we'll ahead get, of the Royals we'll, right now. We'll get into that to the Royals, who are the worst team in the league, right? Actually, not true. We have officially Oakland. a new worst team in the league, and that is the Oakland Athletics. Athletics. Wow. Um, but if you look at run differential as well, and you add that to that, I mean, the, the Athletics are just scuffling. They've lost 10 in a row. That's the only reason why they're worse than the Royals. The Royals are just dog. We'll right. So we don't really need to get into bashing of the Royals, even though I do want to talk to you about what I think they should do at the trade deadline, which we will get to that when we get into AL Central. We'll get but to that. AL West. Um, what the hell is in the water in the AL West? Everyone's been on like a 10 to 15 game losing streak. The Angels were head and shoulders above the other teams in that league, like by like four or five games, and now they're like six, nine games out of first. Right, and that's a huge issue right there with Joe Madden. And I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't like Joe Madden. Not. I never liked him, even when he was with the uh, the Cubs. I mean, he's too eccentric for baseball, in my opinion. Now, obviously, is he a good manager, good leader of people, and stuff like that? Yes, way too eccentric with how he. Well, you're going to play left today and you're going to play second tomorrow and then you're going to play third the next day and then you might sit. And we might, you know, 
baseball players are creatures of habit and you know this i mean they need to be set in a lineup where they know when i come to the park i'm hitting fourth this is how it is I'm playing left field i can get my work in i know everything down to the routine from minute to minute to minute and when you have no clue what position you're playing um you know in the moment like if you're in the rate and like with the with the cubs you know they were in the world series chase so it's like okay it's kind of fun i'm getting to play every single day blah blah, blah. but it, you can see why all those guys never re-signed like Chris Bryant and stuff. Cause like, I don't know left fielder, man, I'm a third baseman, you know? And so now he, but he's now he plays only left field. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it takes away a lot from a team to do that. And so some people don't react well to it. Now they will at first, which is the reason why they got off to, to such a good start. But then when he starts moving people around like that, people are like, well, what do I in yeah. You know, a couple months in, it kind of eats on you a little bit. Yeah, I think the argument is that he overthinks um, the idea idea of substituting later in the game. I think that his strategy would work better in a pre-DH National League team. Um, it would have worked better because you can do that. You do the hence, double switch. and Hence the Cubs. And yeah, yeah. And, I, it, and it worked. I mean, it, on paper, it worked. Uh, I think that uh, even not on paper, I think that, a lot, that people really liked Joe Madden uh, in Chicago. But yeah, I see what you're saying. And also one other thing is I heard that there were some in the Angels, you know, I, I, always, I always thought Joe Madden was a big analytic guy. I thought he was really into yeah. analytics and sabermetrics, but if, if he's not. And we saw that in, in Anaheim and they were trying to give him, you know, uh, information and he just rejected it. And, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, that was, was that one of the reasons why he got kicked out of Chicago. Because oh, right. he wouldn't do what Jed Hoyer and and, uh, and Theo. Theo wanted him to do. I mean, they they're like the kings and like the savants of analytics. Um, them and the and the guys in Tampa and and obviously the dude out of Oakland. I can't remember his name right now. Um, Billy Bean. Billy Bean. Yeah, those are the guys that kind of like revolutionized doing all that stuff. And when you come to this guy and you're like, "Hey, I need you to do this," and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fucking doing that." And you're like, "No, you're gonna do it, or you're not gonna come back here next year." And he's like, "I just want a World Series." I don't care. You work for me. Do it. And so then they didn't bring him back. And Joe, and you know, Ross, he does do that. Um, but it's just not the same team. And so Joe Madden's kind of stuck in his ways. He's old school, but he's a little, he's really old school in the way he manages, but he's also really like, I'm, well, I'm going to try to out, I, I'm smarter than you. So I'm going to try to outthink you and I can make this move and it'll be better than anything you've ever seen. And you're never going to know what it's like, dude, it's baseball. You can't reinvent everything. Yeah, that's not how it works. And I, th and I think what Joe Madden needs to needs needed to learn and needs to learn is that as managers, you always need to be making adjustments. You always need to be learning from the past because the game changes over time. It's not just the thing. It's not just what you maybe have done wrong that you can correct, regardless of whether the game changes. But the game changes over time, so you got to be constantly adapting. It's difficult. And and another manager in baseball who has adapted well, in my opinion, is Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker has actually adapted to the game really well. He doesn't he doesn't bring pitchers out for 130 pitches every time like he yeah. did. I mean, he was a terrible manager forever when he was with the Cubs, and I hated it. And so when I didn't think he was going to do well, and now he's doing really well, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, the AOS, uh, Houston's on top. Everyone else in the divisions is exactly what we thought they were going to be outside of the Athletics. We thought the Athletics would not be, as of right now, a hundred loss team. Um, it makes sense because they got rid of every single person on their team before the season came up, but they've done that multiple years in the past. So we figured they'd probably restock, but it, it's not working out the way they usually did. And, you know, you can't win every single time. Um, the Rangers are starting to hit, which is good for them. Um, Angels. See, here's the problem is I don't know if the Angels are going to make the playoffs again. I mean, because how many... Uh, it's, oh, my God, dude. All the good teams in the AL East... The Angels have a 14, one 14-game 14 skid, and they're out of the playoffs for the rest of the year. 
Yeah, and I, I looked at it historically, and I don't think any team who's lost 12 or more games in a season has made the playoffs, but I do think that if there's one team who actually could still do it, I do think it's the Angels, because you look at, I mean, they've got Syndergaard, they're, they're, they're hurt by the fact they didn't invest in pitching. They didn't they didn't commit their big their big resources to pitching, True. I think, in the They got the years. two rookies that are throwing really well. Detmers is throwing well. Um, Sandoval came out of nowhere. He's throwing pretty good, but I, get, I, I completely agree with you. Um, yeah. And I don't know that they have the prospects to trade for. Like um, if I was them, I would have picked up like Manoa or not Manoa, but um, uh, Frankie Montas or Sean Manaya. Yeah. Um, they have people they could have gotten rid of. They have Joe Adele they could have gotten rid of. They could have not DFA Justin Upton and gave him away um, to get a couple of these guys. I mean, there are some, some prospects they could have gotten rid of that somebody like the A's would have taken for sure. Uh-huh. Um, just to get one more person. I mean, where yeah. were you on the Chris Bassett? signing why don't you try that kind of guy you know something like that i mean you really just needed a three you right you don't even have one yeah um the thing that kills you in that division though is every single team out there seems like they can hit pretty well um so when you don't have especially you don't have a bullpen either that's another thing about joe madden i don't like he didn't manage bullpens very well he definitely didn't do that in chicago very well um and that was another issue with him when he was in tampa is he kind of would just kind of mess up bringing people in the wrong spots or, or not leaving people in long enough or leaving them in too long. Um, and the angels have a couple of good relievers, but they just didn't manage that very well. So they would give up leads all the time, especially in that 14 game skid or 13 game skid really. Right. Um, and now Mike Trout's hurt again. I mean, you had Mike Trout for three months and Shohei Otani for three months together. They're both raking Right. couldn't do anything with it so yeah i wonder what you end up doing with mike trout because i mean obviously otani's dh'ing a lot so i mean if you got you got to keep those those two on the field because that team really is built around trout and otani they kind of remind me of the giants in like the 2000s with they were built around bonds and like jeff kent yeah where's anthony rendon yeah I, like where is that did he even play baseball anymore i i don't know i really haven't heard much of I anything mean, about like, him other i than got his ra- i got railed on by everybody in our fantasy team um that i used to you know play college baseball with about how good of a player he was. And he's going to carry every team he's on. And he should be the, the MVP of that year. And Strasburg really didn't do it. It was Rendon. And I'm like, dude, he had one good year. And that was it. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying he's not a good player. He can hit, but he needs to do it more than one year. And he's shown he can't do it. He's not doing very well right. over in, in L.A. He's disappeared. And you got guys like Jared Walsh and or Jared Ward and Matt Walsh that are just kind of like overshadowing this guy who was an MVP candidate on a World Series team three years ago. Right. And you got rookies that are making him look like he should be in the minors. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking Rendon. He, you know, he may end up just being more of a, like a complimentary hitter. I mean, I could I could name tons of examples of, you know, like number five, number six hitters who can complement, you know, the middle of the order and, and, and be good in that role. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't heard much, if anything, about him this year other than his left-handed home run that he. Yeah, hit. I mean he had a left-handed home run off a pitcher. Yeah, good for you. But I mean, like you're hitting behind Trout and Otani, you should see fastballs all day long. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. So I mean, that's an issue too. They should definitely answer that. They could probably trade him to get some pitching. Yeah. To be honest with you, that actually might not be a bad idea. Actually, I think that would be a good idea, and maybe they would. May they may have to like pick up some of his salary depending on who he, who they trade if him to. If they're the Angels, they're fine. They could totally do that. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Angels can do that. And I do think David Fletcher being hurt has actually hurt them, too. Because yeah. Fletcher is kind of a like, Which we'll talk lead-off now, Good segue into this uh, MLB you know, Central here in the, in the, in the AL. Um, the Royals are the worst team in baseball. Yes. Okay, I know that right now the Oakland A's have a worse record. The Royals are the worst team in baseball. Um, 
I don't really care about the rest of the NL Central or AL Central because the Twins are not going to keep doing what they're doing. The Guardians are okay. The White Sox have plethora of injuries that are keeping them from doing everything. Nobody from that division is going to do anything in the playoffs, so we can just skip over all that. <laughs> and let's look at what are the Royals going to do at the trade deadline? And who should they get rid of? And who should they give people to? Because I have a bunch of stuff that I think it should that well, work. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that I would do. And I mean, I, I happen to believe that you look at some of the things that this organization is doing and the, some of the positive notes, some of the things that, po- that are positive or could be positive. They're building up, you know, in, the, in their minor leagues, they're building up this pitching lab. This, this sort of analytic-based pitching lab. They've just started doing it. They started it in Surprise, Arizona, their spring training home. Other teams have been doing it for like four years. I know Milwaukee's been doing it. Tampa Bay has been doing it, I think, for the same amount of time. I'm surprised Tampa hasn't been doing it for longer than that. They but, probably have. They probably just didn't make it known. Right. And yeah, that's right. And there, there, there's some the positive things. Of course, you got Bobby Witt Jr. You've got Melendez who's coming up. Melendez, Melendez looks, looks like a star. Yeah, he looks legit. I still think Brady Singer is, Again, is taking Again, we talked about that. Forward. Why the... Was he not your number two starter from the beginning? Why right. was he in the bullpen? He's been lights out. Obviously, he's had a couple bad outings because he's, you know, not a rookie, but he's young. But still, like, what the hell? Yeah. But the problem is, I look at this, I look at the entire organization right now, and if you if you subtract Bobby Witt and Melendez from the farm system, now you're a bottom half farm system again. So this, you got a team that is slated, that's on pace now still to lose 100 games. And by the time, we're, at the time we're recording this, by the way, the Royals have won three games in a row. So as Chris mentioned, Oakland has overtaken the Royals uh, for worst, worst team. Because they've lost 10 in a row, which will not <laughs> happen. I mean, that's, that's almost 10% of the season. I mean... Yep. They're not going to lose that. That's not how it's going to work unless they just completely give up and start going away. But it doesn't matter. The only way the Oakland A's end up being worse than the Royals at the end of the year is if the Oakland A's completely give up and sell off all of their pieces. The Kansas City Royals could could literally trade for people with the deadline and still be bad. <laughs> that, yeah. And that sounds terrible. I'm not trying to say that. It's all because they have not made the correct decisions with their current pieces. Right. They have not made the correct decisions. And it's because the front office has a... And, and their coaching staff, manager staff, they think with their heart rather than with their mind. They are they're loyal to a fault. They keep guys way, way too long. They Their expectations of their team are... are are different than all 29 other teams expectations of their team. They have, they, they improperly, they have improperly evaluated their players. And I think it's, it's been happening, especially since the world series and they hardly ever do business with any other teams. They don't make trades. They only trade guys when they have to. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. I think that you're right. 50% of their players, they've improperly, improperly evaluated the other 50%. They have absolutely nailed it on the head. They have just, not done exactly what you said is okay well we have this unbelievable piece of gold that we could get so much more gold from if we were to sell it but we like him he looks good in our jersey we'll just let him go to free agency or it's like use your assets like do what you need to do okay and And so i don't i mean and so here's the deal here's what i think there there are two people that need to move and it's going to sound really weird Whit Merrifield and Salvi Perez need to be traded I agree completely they have to be traded this this um postseason or not postseason but trade deadline right who's Whit Merrifield going to I think he goes to the Angels yeah I think there are a lot of teams who absolutely I mean you look at Whit Merrifield's salary the the teams that are that could use someone like Whit Merrifield somebody who could play he's good good at second base he can play corner outfield competently but his, his best position corner outfield is probably about average but his best position is second base 
And, you know, you, you get a guy who could do a lot of things, can, can hit for contact, can steal. I know he started off really slow this year, but they've missed so many opportunities to trade Whit Merrifield. If they had traded him four years ago, they actually could have gotten something. I mean, they wouldn't even have two years ago. Yeah. He, uh, when it went like two years into his five year contract, where he signed for like five years, like $10 million. <laughs> like, you have three years of control on a guy where you're only paying $2.5 million a year. You could get four prospects that are on the top 100 because they're like, okay, this guy's the number one hitter, like overall, like base hitter. Like he gets more hits a year than every other person in the league. He's second or first in steals every single year. He plays multiple uh, positions defensively at a plus grade and one of them at a really plus grade. What the hell are you doing? Why have you not traded him to somebody that can give you a bunch of picks? And again, these are things, or even people. These are decisions that numerous other teams in baseball would have already made by now. The Tampa Bay and Rays would have a completely different team if they ran the Royals. Right. Yeah. And, and I know the, the Rays and the Cardinals, and I know you look at cer certain organizations, and I know they, they really set the pinnacle, but the, it's just bizarre that, that so many other organizations don't do what the Royals do. And I. And at times, I just find myself questioning, are, is the Royals' goal really to win? Is, is, are wins and losses really a, a goal, here's or is a, it just to satisfy your players? Here's another, I'm going to throw out a little theory here, um, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's funny at the same time because you mentioned this. Are we seeing a major league, the movie, situation going on here? With the Royals. With the uh, Royals, where they're purposely losing a certain number of games so they can move the team to, to Las Vegas? I, I, I think, and, and you know, and this is... Do you get what I'm saying? Like, are they like purposely like trying to make sure that they don't have a good enough attendance record and their win-loss record is low enough to where they can effectively, without getting any much backlash, move the team to Las Vegas? As an observer, I, th I could see how someone would make that conclusion. I mean, as an observer, I could see how someone would conclude that. Because of the moves that they made, and because this is the fifth and the lack straight there, year, and the lack thereof moves, and the lack, and, and even worse, the moves that they haven't made. It's not just the moves that they made; it's the it's the moves that they don't make, and they refuse to make because they can't get out of their own way. And we can keep in mind that this is an organization that has remained stagnant for a decade plus, for eight years, stagnant. At, yeah. So I'll give you this too, and I'll make a case for that being true. One, the Royals' name is actually pretty well known because they don't they won a World Series less than 10 years ago, right? Eight years ago? Right. Um, not seven years ago, really. Um, but they have one of the top prospects in all of baseball, maybe two now with Melendez being as good as he looks like. Um, and they're kind of in the center of the country. If they move them to Vegas, it's more of like, okay, now we can actually realign stuff and make everything correct. It could be something that they're looking to do. I know there's been rumblings and grumblings about them wanting to move and, and stuff like that. Because, I mean, really, who, nobody goes to the freaking games. Nobody goes to the game. Attendance is at historic lows. And then the, and the organization, and for years, it's it, and it's been going down. I mean, it's been down since 2018, but now it's especially going down. And it's going to continue to go down. There's no way next year season ticket holders are probably going to be even further down from where they are now. And the organization's going ho-hum. It's a ho-hum. It's been stagnant for the last 10 years. Everybody's in the same position. Matheny's not going anywhere. None of the coaching staff are going anywhere. Cal Eldred is is the worst pitching coach in baseball. In fact, he's the worst pitching coach I've ever seen in baseball. And, and th the results show that. The results show that over the last yeah, four years. You can't years. be so inconsistent. And the fact that, and another, the, to go back to the coaching and, and the GMing and stuff like that, and just the, the back front office stuff, the fact that you came out and your best rookie pitcher is in the bullpen and you have four other rookies in the in the starting rotation that all of them do not even shouldn't even be in a starting rotation yet is like a, a huge red flag. You're starting the you have Zach Grinky. Okay, great. That's a good pickup. Glad he came to mentor some younger people. Your top guy that he's supposed to be mentoring is gonna start in the bullpen. Okay. 
red flag number one. Number two, you have Daniel Lynch, Chris Bubich, and uh, what the hell is Santi? Uh, who was Coar? Coar and uh, Hernandez. Carlos Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah. Those four are in the starting. You know, those are the other four in the rotation. Um, you have nobody else. There's no one. You can't get another veteran like guy at all. You just have four guys. You just got to throw out there. Hey, get it done. You know, figure it out. Like, and then you're not even putting your best of the five rookie rookies, quote unquote rookies, in the starting. Like, what the hell are you doing? Right. And another th- another um, uh, uh, thing theory that lends credence to your theory that they could be possibly exploring moving the team is the fact that there are no long term contracts. They have not given out any long term contracts. I mean, no, that was not. It's not a theory. It's like a conspiracy of like you know, if if you're sitting here in Kansas City, and you're like, what the hell is going on with the Royals? Why don't people want to do it? One, nobody cares. They don't go to the game. The Chiefs are trying to buy the freaking stadium so they can level and have more parking for their, you know, just absolute crazy shit shows that go on there during tailgating. Um, three, there's no long-term contracts. Didn't know anything about that. They have two really good, two really good sales pieces that they can get rid of to get more younger people, so they can get rid of Salvi and Witt, and then Grinky's gone after this year. So now they have a, a slew of really, really young pitching. They have Whit, uh, Whit, uh, Bobby Witt, and they have AJ, AJ Melendez, and then whoever they get from the Whit Merrifield and Salvi Perez trade, they can kind of rebuild and and have a package of like, hey, we have this young good team. Let's move to Vegas and get a couple of um, all-star you know, free agent signings and we actually might be able to compete. Yeah. I, I, I think conspiracy theory, whatever you want to call it, um, or just a theory that I think that that could be, um, could be happening. There was another point that I was going to make and I just lost uh, my point. Obviously, Ben, we didn't talk about Ben Attendee. Ben Attendee ben Attendee's is another trade piece. Trade I forgot about piece. that too. Actually, he's more of a trade piece than the other, than the other two. Yeah. And, but he's a rental trade piece, rental trade piece. And, and, the organization doesn't seem to understand that you're not you're not going to get as much for rental trade pieces as you would for others. I mean, no. unless the unless the rental trade trade piece had would have to be a like a Max Scherzer type or like a Hall of Fame type, and even then you're probably not going. I to. mean, he can change the lineup for a specific couple of teams. I mean, like yeah, there are a couple teams that could use a guy like him. Absolutely, yeah, and I do think that the Royals, if they trade him, I expect them, and I think that they that they will, and I think any organization would. I think you'll get a couple good pieces back, uh, pieces who. Like you know, will be will be me, everyday players. Let me throw this out there for you. Um, what if the San Francisco Giants traded for Salvi Perez and Andrew Benintendi? Yeah. What kind of haul do you think the Royals could get back for both those guys? I think um, I'm assuming that they'll be able to pick up all their sal- pick up Salvador's entire salary. They obviously need to catch her left fielder. Yeah. Well, yeah. Since Joey Bart got sent down two days ago because uh-huh. he's scuffling. I don't good know. to learn from too. The Giants and 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 I, I haven't explored this trade scenario, so I don't know what they would have in their farm system, um, or or young players who are like maybe pre-arbitration who are already up in the big leagues. But uh, you know that would uh, that would be something that would certainly would be a fit for them. I would need to look at their farm system and take a look at. Pretty their sure they could probably grab something from them that would be pretty good for us in the long run. Because yeah. I mean, you could just slot Melendez into into catching. You're good. You don't really lose Salvi. Yeah. Really. Um, where the hell is Mondesi? Mondesi is out for the for presumably for the year, and if they try to re-sign him next year, or if they if they okay. go to arbitration, another guy who should have been traded three years ago, right? And they're just going to keep spinning their wheels. And if they try that again next year, they could try it again next year. And I do think that some team's going to pick him up. I mean, but they're, they're certainly they should not be making plans. They should not be penciling him into the lineup. I mean, to me, Mondesi is a guy you need to pencil pencil into your three or four bench spots and pencil him in there. And if you can get him in the lineup, great. But you proved to me you can stay healthy for more than a month, then I might put you in the starting lineup. Yeah, but the team's going to sign him, and they're just going to 
expect him to be on the three or four or five bench spots, and that's it. Sure. Expect him to be there, but if he's if he's there and if he's healthy, they're probably going to bump in the lineup. They may have to move a couple of guys' positions around, but yeah, that's what I think they'll do. I mean, the Royals are the only team in baseball that might be like, okay, we have Mondesi, we can start him because he's better than everything else we have. Yeah, but the problem is the Royals make plans around him every year, and every Which year... Is stupid. Yeah. Okay. And, I'm yeah. going to make a hot take here. Dayton Moore needs to get out. Absolutely. Get him out of town. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to I'm just gonna leave it at that because... He did a good job building the team. He got lucky with his trades with Kane and his picks of Moustakis and Hosmer and having all those guys come up at the same time. And you got lucky with picking up Salvi before the MLB international stuff kicked in. You don't know how to GM or manage a team in current day baseball. With the amount of money that this guy that bought the team put into the Royals, he right. should get somebody that knows what the F they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that he has not made any changes at all, the fact that he, and I don't anticipate any changes made by next year. I think next year, well, at this, this time next year, it will be the same situation. We're going to see Dayton Moore, be Mike Matheny, Cal Eldra. It's going to be the exact Let same. Let me give you another scenario on this. Is he giving him a little bit of rope so they can hang themselves? I Quote, unquote, when I say hang themselves, I mean like, Here's a little bit more rope. Let me let me see what you guys are going to do with, you know, status quo, keep everything the same. You told me you were going to be able to fix things and get things going. You obviously are making terrible moves and just get rid of the whole, just get them out. But that's already happened. I mean, we're in year five right now of, of a rebuild, and we are, no, record-wise, we're no he, closer. Since he got here, the oh, new owner. Since the new owner got here. Yeah. Um, it's been, what, one year? It's, it's actually, he got here in November 2019 was when he bought the team. So this is, we're not two and a half years into his tenure. Okay. And I mean that right now, it, it, it's time. It, it is time to uh, to start seeing some real progress. And we're not seeing the problem is we're not seeing tangible progress. Yeah, they both opened up that pitching lab, and yeah, there were some things last year. Their their hitters did well in the, in the minor leagues, and the numbers prove that. But the opposite has been true this year. And now the Royals minor leagues teams have I think the second worst record in all of baseball <laughs> of all the minor league teams. And we we are not seeing tangible progress. It's just a it's an organization, a loyalist organization with, that, that gives out lifetime contracts and does not hold people accountable. Dayton Moore talked about accountability, and they don't hold people accountable. And that's what leads to the conspiracy of that maybe they're moving the team. Because he's going to ask, in two years, or less than two years, they're going to ask me and a lot and every other Jackson County, Missouri resident to fork over a lot of money to help them build that precious downtown ballpark. They're going to ask us to pay for it. And of course they're going to ask us to pay for it. And the more the Royals lose, the more of a chance we say no. And so that's what leads Las Vegas and other cities as a plan B option. That's I, that's what I believe. Yeah, I mean, I get, right now it looks like the A's and the Kansas City Royals are fighting for last place, so you get to move to Vegas. It, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, that's what it looks like uh, to me, and that's based on the moves that I'm seeing. Now, if they make some big moves that are that are past due, in my opinion, necessary over the next couple of months, then I'll change my opinion. Uh, Potentially, yeah, probably, I mean, it's, probably. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to, you know, shit on anybody because they're just trying to do their job, right? But they are not adapting well to the new age of baseball. No. They're not doing anything the way they need to be done. The GMing and the, the organization of the front office of the Royals is archaic. The way they're thinking is, the way they operate, their accountability levels. And I thought the new owner, I, I honestly thought he was only here for like a year and a half. I didn't think it was almost, and a half years. Th almost three years. And there's, it's not on him. I mean, it, it will be on him if you get past four years, three this year and next year, and he hasn't made any significant changes to take the team into a better direction because there's no way in hell people are going to want to. I'm not voting to 
for a new no, downtown absolutely. stadium. Absolutely, I'm not voting for that. Why would Vote I want a down- no. Why would I want a downtown stadium when you guys can't win more than 50 games and you refuse to make changes to the team to try to do it's so? It's insulting. No other organization in sports, in professional sports, does this. No other organization in baseball. No other, not even the Lions, because they've changed their leadership over the over Multiple the years. years. And some say it's too much, which is the reason for their issue. Same with the the Browns. But I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm I'm not voting for that right now, and not unless changes are made. I mean, here's the crazy thing: ever since the Royals even their inaugural, you know, they they were inaugurated in what the 70s, uh, 69, 69, yeah, 70. It was, it was so close. They have been a bottom of the barrel team almost every single year outside of three or four seasons. Well, I will say that um, the where the Royals were one run really well was up until right about 1990 with Ewing Kaufman when Ewing Kaufman was in. Uh, for the first like 24, 25 years, the Royals were well, maybe the first you know 22 ish years, right around there. The Royals were really, really well run. They were one of the top four organizations. They, we talk about them like we talk about Tampa Bay or St. Louis right now because um, they had this academy and they they won a lot of years, even the years where they didn't make the World Series and made the playoffs. If you look at the run, especially from '74 to about '89 or so, they had a lot of really good years. There were years that they would have a couple years that they were they would have made the playoffs. Now, if there had been the expanded playoffs, then. So they were they were good and they they did make the playoffs like seven or eight years during that time and obviously they went, went to the World Series twice. Royals were a well-run organization up until about ni- the early nineties, you know, when you had uh, John Sherholt to the left and then Herc Robinson took over and then Ewan Kaufman was kind of in his last couple of years and then that that was when things really started to go downhill and especially after the strike they went downhill. Um, but uh, but yeah, in my yeah. recent memory for the for just the Royals, I've literally seen them as a feeder team for everybody else. And yeah, and that's what it feels like. I mean, the 2014-15 seasons are anomalies to me because in 2013 they weren't very good. In 2016 they weren't very good, and then they've never been good in between those times. From like you said, ninety, all the way to now, we had two seasons where it's like, um, why are we in the World Series both these years and win one time, and then like what what happened? It, it's it's an, I don't I, it's impossible for me to explain. And that's why I don't believe that wins and losses are at the forefront of their of their Business goals yeah. of their it's not about wins and losses. It's just about relationships and and people and, and that's what that's what they would say. Uh, it's just about well, we 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 like Salvador Perez. You know, like I'm going to give you another reason why I don't think it's about wins and losses either and their relationships and making money. This deal with Bally Sports and how much it's absolutely destroyed the new age of watching baseball. 50% of the people I know, are they use streaming systems to watch baseball and stuff like that. You can't even watch the Royals in your own damn city because Bally Sports doesn't have any any streaming rights for like other like all kinds of stuff. Like, so if you have YouTube TV, you can't watch the Royals or whatever your local team is. Um, it's all kinds of stuff like that. I mean, so it's like they don't even want people to watch it. Right. Like, what are they doing? Like, it literally feels like a major league situation where she's like, you know, we're going to lower the attendance and everything so we can move the team to Vegas. Yeah. That's why I said that. When you said we may be moving to, to Vegas, there's rumblings of it. I'm like, well, that 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 makes sense. You yeah. know, and for me to sit here and say, well, that makes sense because everybody's like, well, we're huge Royals fans. It's, we're huge Royals. Everybody in Kansas City, is, we all love the Royals. You obviously don't go to the games. You don't really care. They never win. Right. You couldn't name more than four people off the team. And, and at the end of the day, I, I don't necessarily blame John Sherman. I mean, obviously, as a Kansas Cityan, you know, as a lifelong Kansas Cityan, I mean, I want to see baseball in Kansas City. I want to see the Royals in Kansas City. But I can't necessarily blame him. I mean, he's a businessman. I mean, he, he bought the team. You know, he can do what, what he wants. I would <laughs> love to do a uh, like a little segment, video segment with us just kind of going downtown 
and just asking people like, Hey, who starts right field for the Royals? <laughs> like yeah. in Kansas city, who's, who's the right fielder? Yeah. I have to admit, I, I'm even, I, I'm even pausing a little bit. I know now it's Whit Merrifield. Um, based I, know, on, I know, you know, yeah. right. But I mean like, you know, name, 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 some name, the name, all nine people in the starting lineup. Yeah. Or name five Royals. Give me five start, <laughs> right starting position player Royals. Yeah. Right now. I, I literally think we would get a, a 10% of the people maybe even know who they are. Right. You go down to St. Louis and do the same thing. They're naming every single person. They're probably naming the, the prospects that are coming up next week. Right. Like it's, it's and that's no, and people are like, it's, well, it's the Midwest. Like the Cardinals are in the Midwest too. Like I understand they've been, been around forever, you know, for 70 more years. That doesn't matter. It's the same fan base. I mean, you're looking at the same type of people. Yeah, exactly. And the narrative is, well, just give them time. They're give them small time. You have to be patient. Bullshit. It's been 16 years. It's, there's 16 years. Small market team. No, they're not. Yeah. When they were in the World Series, they were the eighth most watched team on, on TV. Mm-hmm. Eighth most watched. I mean, that's a lot. And, and small market, yeah, I, I do believe that being in the small market, yes, it is a disadvantage. I, I would say it's even a big, I think it's a big disadvantage. But look at Milwaukee. Look at Cleveland. Look at Tampa Bay. Look at Oakland. Those are four organizations look who are Look at the Cardinals. Or the Cardinals, yeah. Um, those are organizations for, and I just named the, the other four because I do consider them small market. I would I would consider St. Louis probably more of a mid-market. If, then if you then look at the their, Kansas City Royals are mid-market because St. Louis and Kansas City are close to the same size. And they're literally yeah. geographically right next to each other, four hours apart. Mm-hmm. You can't really say, I mean, we're both equally distant. I'm not equally distance, but like the distance from us to Dallas is the same distance as um, St. Louis to Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there, it's not like we're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're not in the middle of freaking Wyoming where there's nobody there, but cows and, and elk. Mm-hmm. That's not how this is. I mean, we're not the Rockies, but Denver is a huge town. Mm-hmm. Right. I get that. But we're in the middle of nowhere along with these other teams. Right. Right. And so this excuse of, oh, it's a small market. No, we're a mid-market team. There's in the metro, there's almost three to four million people that live in Kansas City Metro alone. Yeah. And you talk about the region. That's a large fan base. How are the Chiefs a large fan base when their stadium's 100 feet away from from the Royals? What's the difference? Explain it to me. How can one team not be and the other team is? I understand there's national contracts and stuff like that, but there are more games to watch for it, the Royals. It's because one organization does things right and one does not. And it's, Thank you. it's as simple as that. Thank you. It, it's about the organization. The Royals have no one to blame over the last 16 years. No one to blame but themselves. No, not outside, not, oh, the MLB system, payrolls, whatever. They have no one to blame but themselves. And now, I'm not saying that they're going to make five World Series or Are whatever. Are there issues? Yes, there are issues. But here's the deal. There's another team already that's got a worse situation that is doing 100 times better than almost everyone. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. If you've ever been to their freaking stadium, it's one of the worst stadiums ever to play in. One of the worst ever to watch a game in. Um, it's in a terrible location. Nobody likes to go there. They have no money. And yet they're always buying for basically going like for the last 16 years. Let's take the last 16 years and look at the records between those two teams. They're in the same position. Technically, Kansas City's got a bigger market because they have all of Iowa and Nebraska and some of Oklahoma and a little bit of Missouri that doesn't already have the Cardinals and some of Colorado and some of like Texas and the and spots that the Rangers don't really. I mean, they have all this. I mean, Arkansas. come on. Like, yeah. you got the Braves that dominate every state around Florida. And there are a lot of people in Florida. There are a ton of people in Florida, but nobody likes the Tampa Bay Rays. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's another really strange thing. And I think with, with it's Tampa not and strange. Miami. It goes exactly to what you said. It, both of those organizations, Tampa Bay and Miami. You can look at just Tampa and Miami. Miami's a shit show. Tampa Bay's run like clockwork. Mm-hmm. It's the same shit. It's the yeah. same reason why. Why is Cincinnati and, and, and um, Pittsburgh so bad while St. Louis and Milwaukee are so good? Right. It's just it's just the organizations. Some organizations are, are run well. Some some are run poorly. Now, I do think like in the postseason, I think that uh, if you have a team like the Dodgers who can just build these, uh, these I get all-star that's a, that's a whole nother issue that we would talk about in a whole different yeah. thing. But I'm talking about the way like they win games. They have competitive tickets, competitive rosters. The, the Tampa Bay Rays don't sell tickets on, on September 20th. Rays fans, Brewers fans, Guardi- Guardians, and and uh, they you have know, something Cardinals. to go to the game for. September twentieth, they every they, the game matters. The game matters that night. They're glued into the TV screen, or they're going to the game on September twentieth. Almost every year, just I'll give, about every. I'll year. give you an example. If the Kansas City Royals had the record of the Tampa Bay Rays over the last sixteen years, and next year on the ballot they said, "Hey, we're going to put a, a stadium downtown," that thing passes in five seconds. If every single year we're winning eighty to 100 games or 85 to 100 games and we're buying for playoff spots and we're making good deals and everything's relevant people really like come play here because you know we do things the right way and we play and in seconds people are gonna be like let's do it. i mean look at how many we were at the 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 a's royals wild card game in 2014 it was standing room only and the royals hadn't won a literally hadn't had a winning season in 13 years and we were at that game. I'm like, this is going to be crazy. You're like, yeah, I've never seen a playoff game. I'm like, it's going to be nuts. And it was electric. I still to this day, I'm getting chills now thinking about that whole game and how crazy it was. It's the amount, like you couldn't even hear yourself. As I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, the Chiefs fans are loud. They're really loud. Like loudest, one of the loudest fans bases in, in all the NFL. So if they all come to the Royals game, that's a almost a, as big of a stadium. I mean, you can, I mean, obviously there's bigger spots. It's going to be loud as shit. And it was crazy loud. Even Madison Bumler was like, I could, it was electric. Couldn't even figure it out. That's the kind of fan base you have in Kansas City. And you got people like Dayton Moore and Cal and stuff like that that are just pissing down there because they don't care. They right, say they no care, but they don't care. There's no accountability. And I, I feel like that starts at the very top. You got me all riled up here. Yeah, and I feel like that stops. It starts at the very top, and I think that there could be a, a more of a reason for it than simply just neglect for the sake of neglect. And that's one adjective that comes to mind when I think of the Royals is neglect. They're neglectful. They don't do the research. They don't try to make themselves better tangibly, and we see that in the results. And you know, they did it last time because they were able to take advantage of of they could spend unlimited amounts in Latin America. And when you get you know seven, eight consecutive. Uh, top five overall amateur picks. Eventually, you're going to do. You're going to have a few good players there, and of course, they benefited from Alex Gordon and Billy Butler and Zach Greinke from previous administrations, who also had four 100 loss seasons before Dayton took over, or maybe it was yeah, it was four 100 loss seasons. With the amount of picks that they've had, they should be what the Astros are now, because oh, that's what the Astros did. Absolutely, that's what the Cubs did. That's what the Red Sox did. And, yeah, and you look at them on record, they've had th- three winning seasons in 16 years, one division winner, nine seasons that are more than 90 losses. I'm including uh, 2020 in that, even though 2020 was a shortened year. Yeah, but the loss percentage, it would have equaled out to be more than 90 losses. Yeah, they've had 11 lo- seasons with 87 or more losses. They've had, t- of course, two postseason teams, one that was in the in the race until the, about the second to final week of the season. No other teams have even come close to being in the race of the postseason. Not even the, the 16 and 17 teams. Were, 16, everybody was like, oh, it's such a down year. I'm like, no, this is what they are. No offense, this is really who they were. 
like they had a good year in 15. They, they kind of stocked up, but there were so many different things that went their way, broke their way. And that's why they ended up winning the world series. Like little things that broke their way all season, especially in the postseason with Carrera missing the error, Batista fucking dropping the ball in right field against those should have lost both of those series in the AL. And then the Cubs getting beat by one player. They would, they should have won in 15 instead of 16. They were a better team, arguably in 15 with, uh, with uh, Arietta being unhittable in the second round, but Daniel Murphy out of nowhere, just kind of put them ahead. And so, and, and the Royals had, lost pretty badly to the Cubs both time they played in that year. It was just little things that popped up and everybody's like, well, that's just the way it is. It is the way it is, but what if it goes the other way? Yeah. Right. Then yeah. we're talking about a completely different team. Right. And Korea's error in the, in that's that. what I'm saying. The Korea's error is a, is a normal standard double play ball boot. If he makes that double play, the game's over and they win. Yeah. The Royals lose. Everybody forgets that. That ball hit something, hit the edge of the grass, took off, and Correa missed a, a tailor-made double play that would have ended the Royal season in the divisional round. It's just hard to believe that these organizations that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's just hard to believe that they make such bad, bad decisions. So here, you said neglect. I'll give you a word for me, and it's contentment. They are so content with just doing things the way they've always been done. Right, or complacency. And, I like contentment, contentment because complacency means they're not actually actively trying to get better. They make moves and they do things. I mean, obviously they sign Grinky, but they're just content with being who they are. We are who we are. That's just the way things have been done here. Remember when we won the World Series? That's just the way things are done. We know what we're doing. Well, it's I'm not like going Dayton, to the game. It's like, dude, Dayton Moore, like you're one bad hop away from not making it out of the divisional round. You're one missed fly ball from not making it out of the championship round. Right. Like, Well, their contentment is... Me, Royals fan, I'm not going to the games. Yeah, why would we go? To, why would we want to go watch that mess? I get people all the time asking me, like, "Did you watch the game? Why? I know what's going to happen. Well, they hit the ball yesterday and they won. Great. It'll be their only win of the next two weeks. Find something more valuable to do with three hours a day or two and a half hours a day. I mean, at this point, we like baseball. I love baseball. Yes. It's one of my favorite things in all of the world. I spent my entire life watching baseball and playing baseball. I don't want to go to the Royals. I'd rather go watch the Monarchs, the independent league team. Because at least there I can sit next to the dugout and heckle the players and have a good time. And I'll probably get kicked out. It is what it is. Yep. I mean, I'm paying a dollar for a beer, not 15. Right? Why would I want to go to a team, watch them lose, where I can't really interact with anybody, can't really have a good time, pay 15 to $20 for a meal and a drink, both, and then see a subpar, basically AAA team on the field and the only real reason I want to go to the games, like the reason why I'm like, yeah, I want to go in August because I want to go see the Dodgers play. Like, I just want to see the Dodgers. I don't give two shits about the Royals. I could care less about watching the Royals play. If Brady Singer's on the mound, that's a plus. I want to see the Dodgers play because they're chalked full of MVPs. Seeing the Angels play, seeing the Yankees play. These are people that I want to see because I could care less. We're starving for baseball in the city. And all of the fans are like, well... My favorite team is coming in this day, so I'll go watch them so I can see my favorite team because the Royals are so bad. That's yeah. not good. Yeah, and, and another uh, point that I will make is that a lot of people after the 2014-15 seasons, they, they argued that, well, that changes everything now. Now we're, this generation is the next generation, Gen Z, and now we're set for the next, you know, the next generation, next 30 years, 20, 30 years. Well, no, that's not true. The kids now do not want to go out. I mean, I coach youth baseball. We were all invited. We, we were given free tickets to our team. Our kids didn't want to go. Yeah, why the hell would you want to go? If they were in Boston and they could go see the Yankees and Red Sox at Fenway, they'd be there immediately. They didn't care where they were sitting. That's the difference between a fan base and a teams that actually take care. The Cardinals, 
Oh, the, Milwaukee's coming into town. Um, okay, it's going to see the car. Like you don't even have to. It doesn't matter who's there. Kids right. want to go watch the Cardinals because it's the Cardinals. Right. Right. That's what it is. Kansas City doesn't have it, and it's been that way since I've since I moved here. I mean, yeah. And the bar is so low. I mean, the the bar to me. That's is, what I mean by content. They're content with the bar being we're last place. It doesn't matter. They're content with the bar being low. But I'm just asking for how about go 500 over 10 years? Nope. Not even close. They we can't make, even go. We make the they same money. Close. To we make the same money if we're last, or if we're 500. Yeah. So why would we try to go crazy? Because the more money we spend at that point, it's just eating into the profit margins. Right. Right. And so I am hoping that the new owners looking at these things and saying, "Well, I understand we're making profit, but how long are we going to be able to mooch off of the city of Kansas City?" And their nostalgia for winning in 2015 World Series champion, that's not going to happen, right? He needs to look at this and say, yeah, you may be making money on paper, but it's not going to happen for long periods of time. You can't just have a couple good years every 30 years and say, yeah, we're good. Right. Yeah, we're good. Uh, the Royals are the worst organization in baseball since 2010. I mean, they're worse than Baltimore they and might be Miami worse since, since 2000. Pittsburgh. Since 2000, to be honest with you. I can't think of it. I mean... Yeah, if you I take out are. the expansions and stuff like that, the the expansion teams that did bad for a couple of years, you know the teams that yeah. were established in two thousand till now, they're easily the worst team. In yeah, I, I believe that without looking at anything. Yeah, I, I would agree. With now, that. I will tell you that the Astros had a few down years, but it was only like five. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does not take a f anywhere near a full decade. No. to rebuild years, your team. To be honest with you, that's ridiculous. And the only reason you say four years is because we understand. We're going to lose 100 games all four years. And this is what the Astros owner said. We're going to lose 100 games for four years straight. But I'll tell you right now, every single person that we draft in those four years is going to come up and do significant damage and win us a championship. And guess what happened? Correa, Bregman, Altuve, Springer, Guriel, who was a great late signing. Then they got Verlander and Cole and, and Grinky, And they just made a bunch of free agent trades because they're like, okay, we have the team now. Let's accent this and go. And they did it. And yeah. that's the blueprint. And the Royals are like, we're good, man. I really <laughs> like it over here in Kansas City, man. Do you see that fountain, man? It looks really good, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know what we really need is a fountain in front of our new stadium that nobody's going to pay for, man. <laughs> yeah, that is. That is you know, that we're is good, man. Or uh, you, know, what else we're gonna, you know what we could do if we really want a fountain? How about we just put a new stadium in front of the Bellagio with the huge fountain out in Vegas? Yeah. Right off the strip. So people on the strip can just walk into a game. Right. A, that sounds amazing. I'd probably move to Vegas if that happened. B, that's taking an absolute shit on the Kansas City market. It is. Yeah. But, you know, they're business people. And uh, uh, the, what, what, what I dislike about that is it's not necessarily the moving the team, but it's the dishonesty it's, before it's the, the moving the team. It's the dishonesty and the, I just feel like they're hustling the entire city yeah. and the fan base. Yeah. Right now, what I will tell you is it would be awesome. Um, the only thing that kind of pisses me off because I can't, I can't already do this, is if they move the Royals to Las Vegas and they're the Las Vegas Royals, which is pretty cool because of the card stuff. All oh, right. Um, I would like a new expansion team to be open in Kansas City and call That'd them the Kansas, awesome. Kansas City Monarchs and go back to the old Monarchs name. I'd love to have that. Which would yeah. be great. Go, you can even use the old Monarch uniforms. You have the new uniforms. Go with the same red and you know red and, and white and stuff like that. That would be cool. But I know the independent league team took the Monarchs, but you could just say, hey, we're in the MLB. We're right. going to we're going to take the Monarchs. We're going with it. Um, that would be and that right there feels way better for the city 
than the Royals. No offense to the Royals. I do like the Royals. I mean, it's a great team name and everything like that. But if you could right. come back and say we're the Kansas City Monarchs now. Yeah. You know, you want to take the Royals, you can have them in, in Vegas. We're the Monarchs here in Kansas City. And there's a history of that in this town. And I think that would be the best expansion team they've right. ever had. Or another scenario, how about Oakland moves to back to Kansas City and then Kansas City moves to Las Vegas, right? I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, the Kansas City Athletics. We could have the Athletics. But I do like the Monarchs. I, like the I Monarchs. mean, I'm just saying move that team to the Monarchs just for the history of the city. I mean, you, you're talking about just absolutely tearing at the heartstrings of Kansas City when you say, we have a new expansion team here. We want it to mean something to the history of Kansas City and who it was. And the, basically the central hub of the United States and the central hub of Negro League Baseball back in the day, we're going to call them the Monarchs. Right. And and this this is an interesting, and this is a uh, this is a reason that I think that scenario could be, um, could could happen. It's a valid. It, it, it's a valid scenario, and it's a reasonable scenario, because me, I would vote no on funding downtown ballpark for the Royals. I would vote yes. Yes, for a downtown ballpark for the Kansas City Monarchs. Yes. As long as it's a new expansion team with a new owner, or not really new, maybe not a new owner, but like a new GM for everything like that, Give me a whole new, fresh restart of an expansion team downtown. You could actually inc incorporate the, um, which this, this sounds like great. I know it'd be crazy logistically. Incorporate the Nero League Museum into the stadium and have that be right next to the stadium. Have all that be there. Have all that history right there at the Monarch Stadium. You're talking about unbelievable history and great for baseball and something that would rejuvenate baseball in, in, in Kansas city. Yeah. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Especially yeah, re rejuvenating the baseball, getting to know about the history, um, the people, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's not uh, as much of an African-American presence in baseball as there was 30 years ago, 23 years ago, those numbers going down. Um, so yeah, it would really help. And it was, I know people that just come to Kansas city just to go to the Negro Negro league museum. Uh -huh. And if you could incorporate that museum and make it expand it even more into the Monarchs stadium where people that come from out of town to go to a game and they get to go downstairs or go into like the lower levels or wherever it's at, like the, the first level, like the ground floor level. And it's just all the museum for the Monarchs and the Negro League Museum. People would go crazy. It would be awesome. It would be one of the best ballparks in all of baseball. Yeah. It would just be something just completely unique to the city and have historical roots. Yeah. So. I agree completely. So I think we're going to wrap it up there because we've had actually this cool. has been we've it's kind been of tangented out and everything like that. But we had some good ideas and I really yeah. like kind of the way things were going. So we'll pick this up again next week. We will. We'll finish our divisions. Yeah, we'll finish on. the divisions. We went through the American League, which is great. I still think um, what we picked for the American League is going to end up coming true. I mean, once Tampa Bay gets or uh, Toronto gets a little more healthy, um, the Guardians and White Sox get healthy. Nobody from the Central is going to do well. We know this. Everyone from the American League East is going to be amazing. Um, the West is going to have one team. The Astros come out. That's basically what we picked from the very beginning. So I don't see anything changing. Nothing really to recap. I know the NL is where things are kind of wishy-washy, and we'll get into that next week. Um, but I really think we had a good thing. Um, anything you want to ram on or ha hammer hammer home before we get done? Uh, you, no, not really. I mean, I think that uh, we, we talked about like the shifting, you know, situation. We could we could touch on that. Yeah, we next can do week. a whole new we can do a whole nother thing maybe next week or the week after that. Because um, just so you guys in the news, you know, Joey Gallo and a bunch of these other lefties put out a huge article on ESPN about, you know, hey, that ball would have been a hit. You know, I can't wait for the shift to come in. And it's, you know, I, you know, we, I personally could rail on that for hours. And so we'll get into that eventually. We'll give a hot take on that too. Um, but I, I mean, personally, I'm excited. I want to see the Kansas City Monarchs come back. I mean, that's a great idea, to be honest with you. You can talk. I know you know the owner, um, his son, and everything uh -huh. like that. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. 
I know that logistically that would be an absolute nightmare because of all the the, the city and stuff like that where the where the, the museum, where the museum is now. Oh, okay. Right? Because if you're incorporating the already current museum, you have to buy up all the real estate around it. Yeah. To to put the the park. Oh, right. That's why it's difficult. Or you could just basically take over the T-Bones or Monarchs, current Monarchs Park for the Independent League there out near the Legends. Uh-huh. That wouldn't be a bad place. To could do that, yeah. I think the ballpark, well, yeah. I mean, it could, it could go on either side of the highway. I think so. I think the idea of a downtown ballpark, you'd probably be looking at going on the west side of the highway, which is um, the museum's on the east side of the highway. So if you really wanted to, quote, unquote, downtown ballpark, probably put it on the west side. But uh, who knows? I mean, we got to look at real estate. Like, where are you looking at real estate? That's what I'm saying. Like, where is, it, where is it possible that you could find a place? We'll get into that in another yeah. episode. We don't cool. want to do that. We, we appreciate it. Again, um, we'll see you guys next week. If you have any questions or anything like that, hit us up on social media. All this stuff is, is linked in the bio and everything. So we appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. See you next week.